0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with some music to allow for others online to join us, as well as people here to get settled. Uh, the new Zion Temple, Singing for My Good. Um, I think it's For My Good's name of the song. They're singing for my good. <laughs> I think we've played this one before, but this is all good. Appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being here. Good morning, good morning. appreciate you being here this morning. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Thanks for being here. sunny day but it's cold cold once again I believe it's warmer now than in Anchorage Alaska than it is here that's exciting to know <laughs> Good morning, Brother Roscoe. I know that all, all things, yeah. Amen. We're together for my called that the Romans 8:28 song. Good, yeah. I know <laughs> good morning, Jackie. I was praying for you to get here. Amen. Okay. It must have got through, yeah. (laughs) God has a very sophisticated telephone and telegraph system. We appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. We appreciate you being here. Amen. Thank the Lord for every day. Amen. Okay, that was the New Zion Temple and they were singing the song For My Good. We appreciate... Uh, the music to start us out. That was a I had to cut it short. That would have gone 15 minutes. I don't think we have that kind of time to do that. So <laughs> we'll have to deal with it. Good morning, Pearl. Thank you for joining us, Pearl and Walter. Uh, prayerfully, we pray. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much again. We're going to go ahead and get uh, towards our Sunday school lesson. It's not a. It's a short number of verses, but there's a lot that happens in this passage that we want to try to explore and look at and really try to think about and and think about believers in general those who say they're believers and those who um are actually just they're wearing a, being a believer as like some sort of a coat they can put on and take off because they don't live that way at all so i think we just need to make sure that we um make that distinction as we go forward and recognize that it's not even about um a person, you know, picking out. Are you a believer? Are you not a believer? That's not our job to do that. God already knows who those people are. Is well aware of who those people are. But at the end of the day, we have to look at our own lives and look at what we're we're talking about. I think it's fair to say that in our church, as well as in other churches in the area, not everybody who goes or steps, sits their foot, steps into a church, are believers. Maybe they're pondering it. Maybe they're thinking about it. Maybe they're considering it. But at the end of the day, we don't have 100% believer attendance in our churches. So that's a matter of prayer for those individuals. And that we want to make sure that we look at today's lesson and think about how interesting it is how God uses a person to talk to people who are supposed to be very educated about what Scripture is saying and basically challenges them. and and it's really important for us to see that sometimes we have to challenge people in their thought process as far as where they are in their relationship with the Lord. So we'll look at that a little bit more closely. Um, For the announcements today, today's church message is, are you a character actor? So that is a message that we will be giving today live in church. For those of you who are online, we have a message ready to go. It is a uh, a message uh, under new management. It's a message that Gus did a couple of years ago. That's going to be available online for those of you who are not coming to our church in Akron. Um, it's a good message, so you'll definitely get a get a great word out of that. And that's going to be in our timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page immediately following Sunday school. So we appreciate you being here for that. <clears throat> if you are able to watch our live church feed. You'll be able to see today's message as well here uh, live. So a lot going on today because we also have, in addition to that, at 5 o'clock our ladies and men's cell groups are returning for this Sunday. So for those of you, that's only an in-church activity, but uh, that will be happening at 5 o'clock today. So hopefully uh, for those of you in the Akron area that you'll be back for that. Because we're going to resume the ladies and men's study because it's daylight savings time and it actually stays light long enough now for us to be able to get out of here and go home and and be safe. So looking forward to that later today at 5 o'clock. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you giving that uh, consideration, prayerful consideration every Sunday. We uh, ask that you merely do what you can do. Um, We don't ask you to do anything that will take money out of your pocket to pay your own bills. Uh, that's not the purpose. This is worship through giving. That's what it's all about. So be prayerful with that. If you're mailing your tithes and offerings, please do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you being here and appreciate you taking that, giving that prayerful consideration as you go. Amen. So we are now ready to go ahead and get into our Sunday school lesson. And today we are going to be continuing the study in the book of John, chapter 9. We're covering verses 26 through 34. And this is the, I'm going to call it part 3, based upon the way we've done this, because we started with uh, the first part of it uh, early in John, chapter 9. But now we're going to be covering another area of this conversation. I think it's just very interesting that John went to cover this dialogue, because it's very important for us to see what is happening here in the dynamic between the, the healed, the man who is healed from blindness and those disciples that he is coming in contact with. And they are questioning him and they keep questioning him. And finally, there is going to be a very interesting uh, climactic dialogue here in this particular section. And so let's go ahead and get into our Sunday school lesson Uh, And good morning, Lisa. I saw that you jumped on. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. While we shake out the cobwebs now and get ready for Sunday school. Amen. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we are just so grateful and thankful for your presence this morning. We thank you again for you just being with us, giving us guidance as we go, giving us instruction and imparting your wisdom as we go. Lord, we are in awe of you because of your creativity, your inspiration, the things that you do in our lives. It just reminds us that all is well for those who truly do seek after you and and come to you in prayer. We pray, Lord, that that will always be the case where we don't forget how much you indeed are doing for us and how much you love us because of who you are. It's in your character and in your nature to do so. Thank you, Lord, for your teaching, and thank you for your your very presence. Thank you for your healing presence as well, too. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everyone, turn your Bibles, electronic devices, to John chapter 9. Let's go to verses 26 through 34. And even after this particular lesson next week, we're going to go back, we're going to go and look at this blind man and his encounter with Jesus. Remember, and this is something we have to always remember here as we're looking at this dialogue, the man, the blind man here, does not know who Jesus is. He knows of him because he followed his instruction. But at the time, he was still blind. He had to go over to the pool to wash, and then he was instantly healed. And then he immediately was encountered by others, saying, Is this the man who is healed? Who is he? What's going on here? I don't understand what's happening. So this is all... These are all things that are taking place and he has not had a personal encounter face-to-face other than that healing incident with the blind, with the, with Jesus. And now he is going to see him eventually, but not in this episode that we're covering today. We're just going to cover it up to verse 34. Let me read John chapter 9, verse 26 through 34. This is the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? This, of course, is the religious leaders that are talking to Um, The blind man, the formerly blind man. Verse 27, look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Verse 28, then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Verse 29, we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Verse 30, why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Verse 34, you were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Okay, well, that was an indignant response, wasn't it? But let's look at this more closely because we need to see something here that's very important. And I want you to remember about personal application here because we have to look at how there is what I would term and and what others would term a willful blindness by the Pharisees and the man who was formerly blind and can now see, he has his eyes open, he has his heart open, he is learning from the experience and this communication with the disciples, with pardon, not with the disciples, with the Pharisees. The disciples are not in this. The Pharisees. And yet, he is in fact teaching those Pharisees. He's giving them instruction. He's calling them out on their on their garbage. That's what's happening. He's calling them out. And that's why they're going to be uh, dealing with this anger. They're going to keep calling him a sinner. You have to understand that I want you to go back to a passage in John. Go back in your Bibles to John chapter 9. Let's go back to the beginning of the chapter, just as a reminder of how important this dialogue is that's taken place. John chapter 9, verse 1. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And we kind of covered this a couple of weeks ago that there was an impression that based upon generational sin, this man was born blind. So who they automatically were ready to say somebody must have done something to cause this man to be born blind. Now, and Jesus addresses this immediately. Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Of course we covered that. There was a mountainous statement that was made here about what how Jesus is indeed the light, and we had to we had to be our reflect the reflection of him. But go back again and look at it. This man this came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. So this blind man this man blind from birth is definitely being used by god to teach a lesson to all of us about how first of all he's not a very he's not a, he's he's a very smart man he's not dumb he heard things he learned things as he was blind but he just wasn't capable of doing anything so now he has been I believe, given words by the Spirit to speak at the end here. Because remember what he first said, he must be a prophet of some sort. Because he's, he's operating, only God can do the things that he's doing here. So let's go back to the top and look at it again here. Um, these Pharisees were obviously very angry and they were getting desperate. Because everybody could see that this blind man was healed. People were questioning it. They were wondering what was going on. But they could see this blind man was healed and they couldn't explain it and they didn't want to try to explain it. So rather than try to explain it, they were basically questioning. They questioned Jesus in the same manner, by the way. Questioning the credibility. This man must be a sinner. Something must be going on in this man's life. But... It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. Verse 26, but what did he do? They ask, how did he heal you? They're asking again this man, what did he do? And remember the questions were coming up because it was he healed this man on the Sabbath. And they try to use that as a reason to criticize both Jesus and even this man who was being healed. Like, he didn't expect to be healed. So you see how when people get kind of crazy, you, you wind up seeing that they're just fighting with logic that's right in front of them. The very obvious things are inconsequential to them when they have an agenda. Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? This is verse 27. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become disciples too? Because this is the second time that the Pharisees question the blind man. And the blind man, formerly, I keep calling him a blind man, he's not blind anymore. (laughs) He has been healed. He has been healed, so he's not blind. If anything, he is open now to really giving Jesus the credit for what is happening. I already told you what he did. Didn't you listen? They know very well what this man did, what Jesus did to heal him. They know very well what happened. Look at verse 28. Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Yeah, Before we were disciples of Abraham. Now we're disciples of Moses. Well, you have to understand that what's happening here is that this man's faith, he's acting in faith. He's speaking in faith because he recognized what Jesus did. But these religious authorities were going to test it. And at the end of the day, he was cursed. They cussed him out, I guess, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, or they cursed him. And he was eventually thrown out of the synagogue, which means he was being uh, kicked out as a way for them to be, uh, he was to be removed from society. Well, that's something that they did out of a response to that, but you have to understand that here's the point of all this we as believers are going to have to make sure that we are doing everything we can do to stand in the faith. No matter how you're questioned or no matter what someone has to say to you, we can't shrink from what is obvious for us. And the Scriptures remind us, it's reminded in Scripture that God's going to give you what you need to say when the time comes, when the heat is turned up. The Holy Spirit's going to help you speak. You better believe, as we get further into the dialogue here, the Holy Spirit is helping this formerly blind man speak. But there is a growth that is taking place with this formerly blind man. And Jesus has to continue to grow us in our faith in order for us to stand in our faith. We have to be prepared to speak truth. You have to understand that There are people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they don't believe. They say they know God, like the Pharisees. But do they really know Him? Do they really have a relationship with Him? I was watching a video of a person who was being spoken to um and the person said, Yeah, you know, the question was asked, Do you know God? Or do you do you have do you go to church? Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. Are you a Christian? And the answer came back, this was a this was a woman. Um, I know God. I've heard about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, stuff like that. But the question was asking, Are you a Christian? And If you have to think about that answer, you're not a Christian. It should be a very, very obvious answer. If you believe in Jesus, you say, I believe in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior or something to that effect. But a lot of people who say they know God still rely upon things like astrology. You know, I'm a Capricorn, therefore... The signs are this, and the sign. This is how I. This is how I roll. This is how I live. This is how I behave. It Has nothing to do with Jesus. No, you're just being brainwashed with stuff that has nothing to do with following the Lord. And this talk about manifestation and stuff like that. somebody's abused that word. The bottom line is that these people don't follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It becomes convenient to call on Jesus when things don't go well. But there's no real relationship. So, that's why I said before the broadcast for those who were here, we can't assume that everyone who goes to church knows Jesus. In fact, I'm pretty confident that of all the churches in the area and all the churches around the United States, very few have 100% believers attending. There is someone in that congregation, someone sitting out there who doesn't know the Lord. We have to be prayerful for people to see the truth and know the truth. And this healed blind man is exercising faith in his dialogue because he has not physically seen Jesus's face that's coming later so he believes already without seeing what does it say in scripture blessed are those who have seen and believe but you know blessed are those that haven't seen and still believe that was after thomas had to you know I won't believe until I put my hands in your side and all that good stuff. okay? But that's exactly what we need to have is that faith where we haven't seen. That's the faith that's being exercised here. Go back to verse 29. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. That's the Pharisee speaking to the healed blind man. Verse 30. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? He's challenging them where they say they don't know where he's come from. They don't want to really know where he comes from. They know they're losing control of the population of people there. They know that more and more people are believing in Jesus because they see everything that Jesus is doing, and they are believing that Jesus is a Messiah. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. Now, here's the wisdom that's being imparted by this healed blind man. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Let's look at that passage, that part, really quickly. Here's wisdom. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But He is ready to hear those who worship Him and do His will. He's ready. All He's looking for is a person to repent and turn to Him. And that's when good stuff starts happening. A willingness to allow Jesus into your life. In totality, not in partiality, not just when things are going bad, but at all times. That's wisdom. This is wisdom that's being imparted by the healed blind man. And I believe that this is the Spirit speaking through him, because I believe that that's that's where these words are coming from. And remember what it said in the beginning of the chapter. For this moment, this man was selected and chosen to speak. He gets there's, There are very few parts of Scripture in dialogue that we see where the person who's been healed by Jesus makes commentary of some sort afterward. This is one of the only places where this happens, the lengthy commentary. You might have the episode where Jesus heals the ten lepers. One comes back. That's just a very brief communication. After the healing. The others took off. We don't know what happened to them. They just went somewhere. But this is a back and forth dialogue between a man that's been healed and the Pharisees. Not just once, but twice. God is trying to tell us About faith for those who can't see. And now this blindness is now developing to something that's just gone from the exact opposite of being blind to a person who sees, but not just sees, more than sees, but believes. Believes. Believes this man is indeed, he knows exactly where he came from. Verse 31. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but He is ready to hear those who worship Him and do His will. Verse 32, Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. No one. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Truth. Pharisees don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear anything about this. Everything that this man has told them is truth. What man walking around, other than Jesus, can heal someone's blindness by just rubbing some mud on their finger, putting it up over the eyes, telling him to go wash? That in that in itself, everybody was an act of faith. That was an act of obedience. There is no one that can do that other than Jesus. He had to have come from God. And that's what we have to understand. This man's new faith was being tested and yet he basically came back and came across and shined with flying colors because he answered truthfully. And the Pharisees were really scuffling at this time. They just knew that they couldn't just dismiss this. They have the man right in front of them who was healed. They have the man right there looking right at him, And remember, for the first time ever, being able to see. Truly a miracle that had taken place. And they tried to make Him, well, yeah, you're His disciple. You're Jesus' disciple. Okay, good. So, that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. You want to be in that camp. You want to be where Jesus is. Amen? You want to follow Him. No matter what anybody has to say about you, you want to be with Him. The Pharisees are spiritually blind. That's spiritual blindness. I love the play on words here. A blind man who can see and has faith, and the Pharisees who can physically see, but they're spiritually blind. And understand something, everybody. Spiritual blindness is a choice. Spiritual blindness is a choice. You have to choose that. It's God's desire for every person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And my wife and I were having a conversation during our devotional yesterday. We were talking about this thing about Jesus chasing after people is going to take place now in the age of grace. It's going to take place after the rapture, when the church is raptured out. It's going to take place during the tribulation. There are going to be witnesses speaking about Jesus speaking about glorifying God, during the tribulation, there is going to be additional, even during the millennial stage, there are going to be people born during the millennial stage, a thousand years, that are going to have to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord too. They have to choose too. But we know that there is going to be an end time where, when Satan is released, from bondage, from, from, the, from the abyss, that's when he's going to bring everybody else with him, even those who are there on earth, into battle. But there's still going to be witnessing going on. There's still going to be preaching about Jesus all through until the end comes. And the end will come because Scripture says so. So we know there's an end that's coming. But even in those days, there will be people who will choose to not follow Jesus. They will be spiritually blind. Even after witnessing miracles, even after witnessing healings, even after witnessing things that only God can do. And many of you in this room know and have testimonies of saying only God did this because human human beings can't do it. Only God can do this. And many of us relate to healings and things like that, right? But only God can do it. How spiritually blind do you have to be when you see a miracle like these Pharisees did and they still choose to stay spiritually blind? There are people who are not followers of the Lord. Who have been healed by God. Who have been touched by God. He loves us. It's his nature to love us no matter what state we're in. But we still have to decide to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Even through those things that take place. And remember that this man, this formerly blind man who has been healed, has still not seen Jesus. He was still blind when he obeyed Jesus' commands. He had faith. He exercised faith. And when you're a person who looks at miracles in the face and chooses not to believe, you sound foolish after a while. Amen, You just sound foolish. and And if you hear people like this who just sound crazy or sound foolish, you need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. Prayerfully, they're not in your own families, but you need to pray for them because people are going to sound crazy. They're, they're looking at stuff right in their faces. And rather than argue with this man, back to verse 34, you were born a total sinner. They go, they go completely back off to where they're thinking like, this man was a total sinner, you were born a total sinner. Which was a lie. He wasn't a total sinner. This man didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. Couldn't point to that. But when your arguments are out, you start to ridicule, you start to argue, you get people that you're going to have dialogue with who would much rather say, I don't know why you believe in all this Jesus stuff. You're wasting your time. Because that's what they'll do. When they don't have any argument, they don't want to acknowledge where they are in life. They don't want to own up to their state of being they're going to ridicule they're going to they're going to persecute you you've heard the old saying sticks and stones will break your bones but names will never hurt you mm-hmm. well sticks and stones can break your bones the words really shouldn't hurt you because you know that Jesus is in your heart and he is with you So they would much rather make this formerly blind man who has been healed miraculously by Jesus an outcast. Like a leper. When, you throw, when you're when thrown out of the synagogue, that's what the parents had feared. Remember we talked about that last week? Parents didn't want to be thrown out because that means you're a pariah socially. And they tried to make this man a pariah socially. But what that man's going to find out It's not about being in a building. It's not about being in a synagogue. It's not about being in a place where you're accepted. You're going to not be always accepted socially if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And we'll see next week about his encounter with Jesus. But I think we need to come back to look at how as time goes on, you know, We're one day closer, every day that we're alive, we're one day closer to Jesus returning. Amen? Amen? And we've also said, when we look in the Thessalonians and the rapture, there is no event that needs to take place here on earth before the rapture takes place. It could happen any day, any moment. Because we know that Jesus loves us. He does not want to see us. We're not going to be part of this tribulation. You know, we have the the pre trib, post trib folks. But if we're consistent with Scripture, Jesus says that no one's going to snatch us out of His hand ever. We are not going to encounter discipline issues on the earth. We're protected. We're living in the age of grace. Praise God we're living in the age of grace. Amen? Because there is a no-tolerance policy once we get past the age of grace. And honestly, when we get in the tribu- if we get into the tribulation, when, when, we, when people are in the tribulation, I guess our prayers are for our children, right? Our children, our grandkids, that they don't have to go through a tribulation at the end of the day but even if they did Jesus if they have Jesus in their hearts they'll be fine in the tribulation you know what go to Matthew Matthew chapter 23 I think that's where we need to go hold on Place. Hold on one second. I'm a few notes while I'm looking for this. Well, let's go to Matthew 24, as I, I don't think I'm going to find what I'm looking for. But this is a good place to look. Verse nine. Matthew has views that are not part of the other Gospels. But it's going to remind us of the importance of what's going to happen in the future. And prayerfully, we won't have to see this ourselves personally. But verse 9, Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. Well, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty blunt statement as to what happens to those who choose not to follow the God of the earth the Antichrist, whoever that whoever that person is, you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The good this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. The point is is that there is an end that's coming and there will be persecution, but Jesus' name is going to be proclaimed all through all this turmoil. And it's going to take people like this healed blind man to stand. To stand, in spite of what they do to you, and recognize that what they do to you, you're you already have a place with Jesus. You already have a place prepared for you if you have a believe if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You have a place prepared for you. And there's this third judgment, and I, I'm, I'm my assistant. Who I'm talking to, there's this third judgment that takes place when Jesus returns, puts both feet on the earth. Not the rapture, that's different. The rapture, we meet Jesus in the air. That's not an official return. But when he puts his feet back on the earth, he is going to have another judgment time where he separates the sheep, those who believe, and the goats. And it has to do with the questioning that takes place where for those who fed me when I was hungry, for those who put clothes on me when I was naked, for those who visited me in prison, then you are the ones who are going to be with me on earth here during the the millennium. Then the goats, only time in Scripture that people are referred to as goats, you're either a sheep who are true sheep Followers of Jesus, or the lost sheep, but now these are goats. These people are referred to as goats. And when did this take place? When did? What about us, Lord? We were the ones. Did when did we not feed you? When did we not? You didn't get away from me. I don't know you. You lawbreakers. You're going to receive the eternal punishment, right then and there. I forgot about that. But this is another judgment that takes place at the time when Jesus returns, and it's made up of people who are have died already and have their changed bodies in the rapture people who are have died recently no change and people who are still on earth who believe in Jesus and everybody else are those who don't believe and that's in Matthew and I just I cannot Matthew 25 thank you i see it the sheep and the goats verse 31 through 46 so make a note of that you can look at that on your own time but it's matthew 31 through 46 that is actually a separate judgment not the same as the bema seat judgment and not the same as the white throne judgment it's a third judgment only matthew has this account matthew was given great wisdom to write to us to impart to us about the end times these chapters, these chapters 23, 24, 25, those are, those are must-reads for us believers. And yet they're must-reads for encouragement. We should be encouraged. The blind man exercised faith. The formerly blind man exercised faith. He didn't care about what the Pharisees were questioning about. He withstood. He stood and answered those questions. If anything, they got, the man was sarcastic there. I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? I, you know what? That's, that's a bold statement in front of a bunch of guys who are supposed to be learned and know and, and are able to teach And yet he stood his ground. May we live in that same example. One thing that I've learned and one thing I'm always going to remember, I'm still learning about scripture just like you guys are. I'm still learning. I'm never going to be at the point I don't pray for I'll never get to the point where I'm so arrogant I don't need to learn anything else. Ah, that is just not the way to go. Because there are people who are theologians. There are people out there who shouldn't. They still are learning. Still, there's so much to take in. And we look at the faith of this formerly blind man who has been healed and he is believing and trusting. And even though they're cursing him, even though they're throwing him out of the synagogue, he stands for Jesus. I love that verse 30. You know, Oh yeah, in verse 29. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't know, even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. Spiritual blindness will make you do things and say things that are absolutely illogical. You're looking at a miracle right in your face. And then you get silly about it. I just choose not to believe. May we never, ever live like that. We're learning lessons here. And you have to understand something. People who don't know Jesus, Jesus has probably spoken to them once, twice, three times through the power of the Spirit. And they said, I'm not going to believe right now. I'd much rather live the way I want to live. I'd much rather do the things that I want to do. So we know how to pray, don't we? We know how to pray. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. We need to pray for people we know. I'm going to say this every week. We need to pray for people that we don't know to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Those who don't know Jesus. That needs to be our constant prayer Because who else is going to do it? Who else is going to pray? Who else is going to be doing this praying for those non-believers out there? There is no one else. It's God's will for people to come to a saving knowledge, but it doesn't mean everybody is going to do it. So we need to pray for them. Amen? Amen? May we always act and not be willfully blind, but may we always be focused on Jesus and acting in faith and standing in faith, even when we're questioned. There's not a whole lot that someone can say to me. Maybe it's because of just age. That's going to throw me off my game. I hope I'm never tested like that, but I'm going to trust that Jesus is going to bring me through it. And that's what you need to pray for as well too. Amen? Pray for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching and for this lesson today about faith. Faith for those who haven't seen, but they still believe. We pray, Lord, that you help us live in that manner. Help us to live in the manner that the healed blind man showed here that we believe and trust in you. We may not be able to explain everything that happens, but Lord, we know that you are in it if we can't explain it. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. Build us up, strengthen us, encourage us. We give you thanks and praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for this edition of joining us for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Stay tuned online for Pastor Gus's uh, message from a couple of years ago. It's a good message. Uh, it is uh, under new management. And for those of you who are coming to Akron, uh, come on in. We'll give you another message here today. God bless you all and take care of yourselves. And we will see you next time.